This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for all of those like you and me who make the conscious choice day after day to follow Christ outside the walls. I'm your host, T.L. Putnam, and I'm so glad that you've joined me today. We have a lot to process as we're here in the first week of Lent. Uh, this last Wednesday, we celebrated Ash Wednesday, where we received the ashes on our head and heard the words either repent and believe the gospel or remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. So here we are being reminded within the liturgical context either that we are sinners or that we're going to die. And both are true. We can receive both, and we can receive both as a medicinal reminder, uh, not as a shaming one, not as a wagging finger telling us how awful we are and we're bad and we're never going to measure up, even though that's true without the graces that we receive from God. Uh, It is always medicinal. We'll see that a little bit in our reading from Scripture as we get later in the show as well. Um, But here we are, as we enter into this season of Lent, we're being reminded of our human frailty, both physically and spiritually, and we're being invited into something different. We're being invited into this season of penance. And if you've been with the show any length of time, you know that I have a, a very particular way of looking at Advent and at Lent and the way we approach these penitential seasons. And I've said many times before Uh, that I look at Advent as saying we look around and we see the injustice in the world and we see all that's wrong with the world and we say, hmm, all is not right with the world. I can look around and I can recognize that. I can see around me that things are not right and they are answered. And we see this in the the readings that were given at Mass and we see this in uh, the, the direction that the liturgy takes us. We see that all of those concerns about injustice are answered in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. All of the prophecies, uh, even the Magnificat itself, when when Mary rejoices in God her Savior, it's very much looking at the injustice of the world, right? Uh, he has filled the hungry with good things and sit the, sent the rich away empty, right? It's all about things external to us being set right. And then you come to Lent, And Lent is the time where we look around and we look within ourselves and we see all of the ways that we fail, just like Peter, who denied Christ three times, and all of the disciples who abandoned him. And we we can look at that and say, hmm, I see myself in these situations and I realize that all is not right with me. I am not the disciple that I should be. I do not love Christ as I should, just as we say when we go to confession Um, I have sinned against you, whom I should love above all things. And so we recognize all is not right with me. And we go through this penitential season knowing that at the end of that, all that we experience as being not right will be set right by the Paschal Mystery, by Christ's suffering and death and resurrection. And so this is uh, the way that I have really viewed this season of Lent for the last several years, and we've talked about it here and and expressed that and worked through it. Um, This year, I I maintain that, and I think that that's still largely the truth. 
but I'm taking a different uh, approach to to my Lenten sacrifice this year and to my uh, my understanding and expression and approach to Lent. And it comes really in large part from what we talked about last week as we listened to uh, to the reading from church history, as we heard that beautiful homily that was talking about God giving us the opportunity to experience this hunger to stretch ourselves. If you recall, we had a reading from St. Augustine last week, and uh, just to sum it up briefly, he said, the entire life of a good Christian is in fact an exercise of holy desire. You do not yet see what you long for, but the very act of desiring prepares you so that when he comes, you may see and be utterly satisfied. Right? This is what Lent is about. It's about uh, taking away from us these shallow desires that we have, these things that we're attached to that, that numb us to a greater hunger, and setting them aside so that we can experience true hunger, right? If we're always eating junk food, we're not going to get to that moment of really desiring the good meal. And so it is with the things that are around us. As we look in, and see these um, flashing lights and the things that excite us and the scrolly Facebooks and everything else that really attracts our attention and holds our attention, uh, if we are so consumed with those things, we never have the moment of silence that we could really face our true desire. And that true desire is waiting to be met by God the Father. So here, as I'm approaching Lent, I'm looking at these sacrifices this year, not as something to um, somehow discipline myself so that I can be a better Christian, but rather I'm looking at it this year of voluntarily removing things from my life that don't satisfy. I mean, truly, they don't. They're they're fun, and they um, they might fill me up, and they might keep me occupied for a little while, but they don't satisfy. And so I've been taking the time to really kind of examine what are those things that take up my time that I'm attached to, that I enjoy, and finding them, and then saying, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to set it aside for a season or maybe longer, because I recognize that there is something more important and more satisfying and more fulfilling that, that I want to aspire to. And you know what these things are, right? For us, uh, and in this house, we put the kids to bed and we turn on the streaming service and we binge watch whatever show we're happen to be watching and, and until we get to the end of it, right? Uh, a show a night or a couple of shows a night and then we look at one another and we laugh about things and we're in the same room and we're enjoying one another's company and we enjoy the fact that we're laughing about something. And yet, at the end of the night, it's kind of like, well, what do we do? We just kind of wasted our time. Uh, that's not something I'm going to carry with me. It's, I'm not enriched in my life by having watched this thing. Uh, and so recognizing even at the end of that night, after we have just now consumed that media, it's, it's unsatisfying. It doesn't fulfill any longing of our heart. Uh, same thing with the cell phones. You can scroll endlessly through social media, whatever it happens to be, Facebook or Twitter or, or pick your poison. And when you're finished and when you finally put it away, maybe you have this desire to go back and scroll a little bit more, but you kind of look at it and go, I, I don't feel any better or any more fulfilled in life for having done this than if I hadn't done it. And so finding that thing that, that 
I have an appetite for and a desire for, but at the end of the day, I really don't like. I'm unhappy when I'm finished with it. And I'm saying, I'm going to set that thing aside because I believe, and I truly believe this, that God is inviting me this Lent and inviting you this Lent into a deeper relationship, into the possibility of deep fulfillment uh, and being filled by the Holy Spirit. This is the call of missionary discipleship. Each one of us, by virtue of our baptism, has been invited into this relationship with God. And, and so here, as we come into Lent, we say, what are the things that are keeping me from truly living out a, a rich life of faith? As Athanasius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. So where are the places in my life that I am just kind of coasting by and I am not living fully? Where are the places that the glory of God is being rendered dull in my life because I'm subsisting on on fast food, on, uh, on fast entertainment, on things that really don't grow my soul? And so here as we come into this Lenten season— I'm not looking at all of the things that I have to give up. I'm looking for what is the thing that I am being invited into? What is the thing that God wants to give me this Lent? Where is the area of my life that I am being invited to cultivate my desire for God in a deeper way? And that perspective completely changes Lent. It used to be that whenever I would I would get hungry, I would use that hunger or whatever the, th- the desire for the thing that I gave up, I'd use that as a reminder, oh, I need to go pray, right? Um, and, and so it, it was more of using uh, the lack as kind of a cattle prod to say, ah, yeah, that, now I'm reminded because I'm, I want this other thing, I really should go do this, this good thing instead. And this time, this year, I'm looking at this invitation and saying, ah, when I feel that, that desire for the thing that I've given up, now I, I get excited because I know that I'm being uh, given the opportunity to embrace God in a deeper way and, and that he's giving me the opportunity to express this desire specifically because he wants to fulfill it. And so I want to invite you to join me in this Lenten exercise, not to, to suppress your desire, to expand your desire, not to say, oh, you know, I need to get rid of these things that I like, but to say, you know what? These things are not good enough. These things are taking up space. It's kind of like um, we, we were given a piano. We were given a grand piano, and I had a, an upright piano in the house, and it, it wasn't a sad thing for me to get rid of the upright piano because this grand piano was coming in, and I'm like, all right, well, let's Let's, I guess we're moving this thing out, but I scrimped and saved for. I'm getting rid of it because something better is coming. And so I'm, I'm looking this year at my Lenten sacrifice in that way. And that's what we're talking about on the show today is that something better that is coming into our lives. And that is focusing this Lent on the person of Jesus Christ. To help us do that today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio. You can find him over at DrItaly.com. He's written some wonderful works uh, that will help you through your Lent, including 40 Days and 40 Ways, which we talked about here on the show uh, back really as we were beginning. That's been about five years ago now. So 
Uh, it still has just tons of wonderful information. But you have a new product out, a new book, all about the life of Jesus and, and helping us see in, in beautiful pictures both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus, which I think as we approach Lent this time is so very important because as we go away to the desert, as we in, in take ourselves into a fast, we're doing so for the purpose of seeing more clearly who God is and what God has for us so that we can get rid of the, the, the glitz and the glamour of the, you know, the, the Las Vegas lights of life, as it were, out into the desert so we can see more clearly. But it's not in and of itself just to put on the fast or to put on the suffering. It's for the purpose of seeing Christ more clearly, who's the author and the perfecter of our, of our faith. So talk a little bit about where this book came from, the study that goes along with it, and how this clearer picture of Jesus can help us as we journey through Lent this year. You know, when it comes to Lent and it comes to Catholic life in general, I think what you just said a second ago is really, really important to keep in mind. And it's really the origin of the, the idea that blossomed into not only the book, but the entire series, this, the whole study that this, the book is part of, which includes a study guide, 10 videos shot in the Holy Land uh, and a chart. But, um, the, and here's the insight. Uh, Lent is not so much about looking at ourselves and all the junk in our lives and uh, and repenting. Um, of course, repentance is part of it. But it, but if you notice in the liturgy, we, we repent at the beginning and we get it out of the way and it's really quick. And then we focus on God and his saving plan and on Jesus and on the power of the Holy Spirit, which is so critical to the transformation of bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. Uh, and the Mass is called the Eucharist. It's a, it's a work of thanksgiving. But it's focused on God, not on us. And, um, you know, in Catholic life today, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm getting a little tired sometimes of all of us just looking and examining ourselves, our structures. There's a lot of discussion about church politics, about reform of structures and various kinds of things. Really, we got to focus more on him. He's the center of everything in Catholic life. And we never know him enough. Uh, you can never know, know enough about him or know him in terms of intimacy enough. There's always more. And the life of a Christian has to be focused in the life of a Catholic Christian. Uh, the richness of our faith, all of it connects back to the center of Jesus. And its power comes from the person of Jesus and what he did for us. So we, we wanted to do a study with Ascension Press and myself that um, doesn't focus on one particular book of the Bible or one particular issue, or um, but really got to the center of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And, and to do it, we, we used the, all four Gospels, and uh, we integrated insights from a lot of the great authors of the past um, 2,000 years, really, not, all, not to mention the Old Testament, um, but modern authors like Pope Francis in his teaching, Pope John Paul II, the great books by Pope Benedict, um, on Jesus that have recently come out. We want to do that and really in a special way put people in touch with the earthiness and the humanity of the divine savior by going and shooting this in the Holy land. So, um, the series, there's a 10 part video series that people can access very inexpensively, um, streaming, uh, through Ascension press, and they can get there by going to ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. Um, but you know, people can also just read the book if they want, um, or do the study by watching the videos and leading a group or doing an individual Bible study with this study guide. But it's really meaty, and, and connect, I think it assembles in one place 
the, the truth about the Gospels and about Jesus in a way that I haven't seen it really assemble before in a multimedia kind of uh, over experience. Uh, before we get to this next uh, idea, I just want to interrupt and say, yes, you can do a study and, and you can do it by yourself and you can stream it, or you can do it with other people. You don't have to wait for your parish to do the study. Invite a couple of your friends, go through the ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus uh, and, and access that and share it with a few families from your parish and do that together in community this Lent. Uh, but the thing I wanted to go to is you were talking about uh, how we often miss the humanity. We miss the earthiness, you put it, of Jesus. And I think in some ways we we have so mythologized Jesus and turned it into this uh, ethereal and distant, while, while trying to really emphasize the divinity of Christ, which I think is important, but we often do so at the expense of the humanity of Jesus. And of course, the, the opposite is just as easy to do. But one of the things I love as I watch the, the trailer of this series is the, um, the revealing of location. You're there at, uh, at a specific city and you talk about the city. You talk about Capernaum where Jesus was located and you have shots of Capernaum and you're there in the middle of it and, and it grounds it saying, this is a real place. This is actual history. This is something that happened. And this Jesus is not just an idea that we follow, but he is a person that we follow. And, and there are some definitively uh, knowable things that he has called us to, which get all the more, I think, uh, highlighted when you see the location and the place and it becomes grounded and real and accessible. You're absolutely right. And that happened to me first time I went to the Holy Land myself. And that was uh, 1999. Uh, I was there right as um, uh, at the clocks changed to 2000. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, I had gotten a PhD in historical theology and specializing in the interpretation of Scripture. And obviously, in reading the Bible, I've done a lot of study of theologians and exegetes, you know, commentaries, all sorts of stuff. But being there made such a huge impact on me for the first time. And every time I go there, and I've been there myself about 30 times now, every time I go and lead a group, I get really more familiar with him and feel more connected to him. And that's the key. You know, the, the stones are places where he's been, uh, these, these ancient, ancient places, but they really are the earth that he walked on and the places where he lived. And he really did grow up and have a childhood with an extended family in, in Nazareth in this little tiny town that you know, we, we the, the, these things just came home to me in a, in a new and deep way. And, and pilgrims say that over and over again, uh, is just how much more real the gospel is after making this journey. So we wanted to bring everyone on this journey. I still recommend everybody to go to the Holy Land, if you can, if you haven't been before, to pray for the opportunity to go. You can come with me on DrItaly.com. We have a list of pilgrimages that I lead. I lead one every year. Um, but uh, this is a virtual pilgrimage, the video series, and the book as well. I mean, there's the, the amazing thing about this series is there's so much. You can never exhaust all there is to say about the Lord Jesus. And so the book, the study guide, and, and the video series really dovetail together. They, they overlap, but they're really different resources um, in the sense that they contain each contains something that the others don't. So um, it really, um, I think, 
gives kind of a, a stereoscopic picture. You know, and I use the analogy in this book that um, you really need to see things in multiple angles to, mm-hmm. to get a, a close to an objective picture. That's why the Lord, I think, gave us four Gospels, because we see Jesus through the lens of four different people looking at four different angles from their own humanity, their own perspective. Um, and I think this series with all the different resources helps it to bring together, gives you a depth perception on the person of Jesus Christ. And we, we share our own experience with him and we want this whole endeavor, the book and the videos, we want it to, to lead people to a deeper encounter with him, not just more head knowledge about him, but really a deeper and richer and fuller experience that transforms their life. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, and uh, you you can go with him, uh, as he mentioned, on these pilgrimages. He goes multiple times a year uh, somewhere. Uh, you can find that over at DrItaly.com or Crossroads Initiative. It takes you to the same place. Uh, so we, here we have, you've worked with some really well-known and respected scholars. Uh, and I, I love that because, as you mentioned, it, it, sometimes it takes more than one perspective. There's this... Uh, this concurrence and collaboration and, you know, whenever you're in a conversation, someone brings up a yes and to the thing that you say. And so here you are, you're, uh, you're in Capernaum and you can say, well, here's this little bit of information that I want to give you about who Jesus is and how he operated and why he said the things he said. And then uh, someone else pops in and says, yes. And as a, as an aside to that, here's, yet another thing. And you kind of follow this richer thread of conversation as you're able to do this in, in community and in conversation with one another. Absolutely. And it, that honestly, from the beginning, Ascension wanted to do it. It's collaborative. Um, and, uh, it just kind of the idea of how to do that evolved gradually. And, uh, we wanted to make this more uh, of an experience and a conversation that the listener, the viewer is invited to participate in. So, we start with at a table with a meal with Ted Sri, myself and, and Jeff, every session starts that way. And, and we, we, we talk for a little bit about what this video is going to be about. And, but it's a natural conversation where we're just kind of talking about the topic. And the next thing you know, Jeff and I are actually in the Holy land walking through these places, but we're talking together the whole time. It's not um, so much of a talking head kind of thing. It's a little bit more in style, like uh, a travel log, you know, uh, that you see on Netflix or YouTube, you know, um, and, and we wanted that that kind of experience for our viewers. We wanted it to be enjoyable and real and and, and very human. Um, and I think I think that the the, the video producers, the the, the, the director, they, they did a great job in, in making happen what we what we intended. Honestly, now you wrote this book, and then you set out scripts, and you had plans, and you set out locations, and made all of these arrangements. Uh, for this study to then be shot and produced. Uh, And yet things never go completely as we planned. So I I guess my question is, was there a a thing or a story or an event that happened on this trip as you were laying out what you expected to say on video, uh, something that stood out to you maybe for the first time or that didn't go exactly as planned as y'all were in the midst of, of producing this series? Yes, things don't go exactly as planned. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about that is God uses all that and sometimes does bring new things and, and new insights. I think um, we, as we started to, to get into this um, and we talk, this series is is about the whole life of Jesus. And, you know, 10 videos of, of a half an hour 
can't really get in do as much as you'd like to do, honestly. So in doing the passion, we had one session of 30 minutes to talk about the last supper and to talk about the, 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 the passion that that's a lot to cover in one, uh, 30 minute session. So what we ended up talking about there, uh, some of the things that just came out in our conversation, just colored and changed the, the direction a little bit of the series. We, we wanted to provide something that other you know, maybe some other great resources don't provide. Ted Sree did a great study on the passion in five different um, videos. And um, that's an awesome series. We want to do some, you know, like provide, complement that. And I just repeat it. So we talked a lot about the loneliness of Jesus in the passion, his isolation, his abandonment, and the suffering that 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 must have caused that probably was was even greater than the physical suffering. Um, you know, that the ingratitude, uh, all that he had given to, to Israel and, and to his own disciples, and then to have not only the chief priests reject him and, and call for his death, but his own disciples scattering into Peter, uh, denying him in the garden, Judas betraying him, bringing the soldiers there. I mean, that, that, that just meant, you know, incredibly crushing. And that's symbolized actually by a place that many people don't even know exists. But there is, uh, in the excavations of Caiaphas' house, uh, there's a church over it that's called St. Peter of the Cockrow, St. Peter Galicantu. But underneath, uh, as part of the excavations, there's actually a prison and an isolation cell that was an old cistern. And the prisoner is lowered through the top of uh, of the cistern through a hole with ropes around his, his armpits and lowered down into this darkness, this pit, this horrible place, which early Christians believed was the place where Jesus spent the last night of his life and going down into there and praying, uh, we pray Psalm 88 down there. Um, and it's, it's all about, you know, I, all of my friends have abandoned me. Why my one companion is darkness. That's how the Psalm ends. And you read that in that spot and you realize Jesus communion with the father, but abandonment, his loneliness, his rejection. And, and how often for many of us, we've experienced rejection and loneliness and so, so many times it turns into resentment uh, and it really needs to instead turn into an opportunity to deeper communion with Jesus, sharing in his suffering, sharing in his uniting it to bring up that last night before his life. So we talk about that on the steps that Jesus walked down um, in, in the first century with those, the, the, the road that goes by Caiaphas's house is actually extant from the first century. Uh, it's confirmed first century steps. And so we just sat, you know, we're right there in the spot and we talk about this. And that was kind of unexpected, actually. Um, it kind of evolved on site, and uh, it, it was beautiful. To, to, I really think that was the Holy Spirit that led us to talk about that and make that such a central part of, the, of that video, uh, video number nine on the Passion. We're talking today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio. You can find him over at DrItaly.com. Uh, he's got a new project out called Jesus, The Way, The Truth, and The Life. It's a book. It's a, a streaming study and much more. Uh, you can find it by going to ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. There's much more to come right after this, but in the meantime, I want to have a conversation with you. So go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I'd love to hear what it is that you're doing to cultivate a desire for a deeper relationship with God. What's the thing that you're doing as your Lenten practice? When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio about focusing our lens on the person of Jesus Christ. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls as we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We're talking today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio about a brand new series from Ascension Press called Jesus, The Way, the Truth, and the Life that is a collaborative effort uh, between Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, uh, Jeff Cavins, and Edward Shree. Uh, and so as we were talking in the in the last segment, Dr. Ambrosio, you said um, that you talked about Jesus' loneliness uh, there at the Passion. And really, we have this this epidemic in our society, in our day and age of people who do feel abandoned and disconnected. And we often don't think of Jesus that way. We, we take the, the gospel stories because we know the full story. We know the beginning, middle, and end. And so we kind of sanitize it. And we make, try to make everything um, uh, in some way allegorical, which certainly there is a, a tradition and an important uh, an important need to read scripture in an allegorical way, as well as look taking it at face value and reading it for where it is. And as you mentioned, this this uh, loneliness of Jesus during the Passion, the thing that came into my mind, which I had never considered before, is this picture of Jesus in the garden uh, with Peter, James, and John that he's called along closer as he is praying and asking that God would let this cup pass from him. And he turns to Peter and he says to him, Pray uh, because the devil wants to sift you like wheat. Pray that you would stand firm and be able to strengthen your brothers. And you hear that and you think, oh, yeah, Jesus is saying this so that later Peter will figure this out. But I I just think of the, the sorrow that he experienced as Peter did not watch and pray. And in the midst of that, ended up, not having the strength to stand up in light of the persecution that was going to happen that night. That's right. And we talk about that right in the garden there. And that's a, a, another amazing thing to be in the garden. We know where the garden of Gethsemane was. There's really not a lot of doubt. And uh, the actual rock uh, upon which Jesus agonized is the centerpiece of a church there, the church of all nations. So we stood outside of that church and um, of course, we went inside, but we, we also we had our conversation outside in the garden among the olive trees talking about this. Um, one of the things that's amazing about Gethsemane is Jesus himself lives the prayer that he taught, the Our Father. And we see right there, lead us not into temptation. He, he tells all of us to pray that we may not fail when the test comes, like Peter did in the garden. Um, he certainly there withstood temptation, but he also prayed not my will, but thine be done. Well, that's part of the petition of the Our Father. He, he lives the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount in his passion. He lives the Our Father. It's just amazing how um, I, I think I saw that more clearly this time that I was there than ever before. Mm-hmm. So here we are in the season of Lent, and we're all looking for things that we can do that will uh, strengthen our experience of Easter for us to, to more fully appreciate that which has been given to us. And we tend to, to focus on the fasting, right? Uh, a lot of people give things up for Lent. They find um, something like coffee or whatever else. Uh, some people give up social media. Uh, and, and they almost do it as if it is for the, uh, the proof that they can pull it off. It's almost this <laughs> Pelagian exercise and look what I can do. Look how, how much I can suffer for Lent. Um, and of course, that in my mind kind of is antithetical to the purpose. 
So I, this year I've just begun thinking of Lent as we look at the prayer and the fasting and the almsgiving, almost as if we are preparing for a night out with our spouse, right? We, we get rid of our distractions and we put things aside and we uh, change our behavior and, and typically we're a little bit more attentive and maybe a little, even a little bit more somber uh, as we now are going to go out with the one whom we should love above all things. And here we see the same thing with Lent as we shed some of those things that that aren't, it's not that they're sin. You know, too often people say, well, I'm going to give up this thing that I shouldn't be doing anyway. But, but what we're called to in Lent is to give up those things which maybe we're too attracted to and distract us from the attraction that should be given to God. So exactly, you have this yes. beautiful thing here in Lent where you're giving us a, a, a portrait, not, not even just a snapshot. You have painted us a, a portrait of our beloved. So talk to us a little bit about what it is in focusing on who Jesus is and on his life, both in his humanity and his divinity, that will strengthen our Lenten and our Paschal experience. Well, I think it's just amazing how in his public ministry, Jesus not only taught about the merciful love of the Father, but when people encountered him, they experienced it. They saw the Father, the loving Father of of the story of the prodigal son, shining right through his eyes as he reached out and wasn't afraid to touch a leper who would make anyone ritually unclean. He wasn't afraid when the lady uh, who had the flow of blood reached out and touched his garment, which was something that she could have gotten in great trouble for because it rendered Jesus ritually unclean as far as the law is concerned. Jesus commended her for her faith. He, he was willing. He ennobled and elevated everyone who was open enough to receive him and, and experience the love that flowed from him, you know? And I think in this series, if people do this, read the book uh, or watch the videos or do both, I, I think you'll experience the love of God capturing your heart, flowing through Jesus, flowing, flowing through his look, his gaze, his smile. I think you'll experience that in, in, in this, this portrait that we've painted, um, which is, means so much to us. I mean, it all flows from each one of our lives as disciples. That's kind of the, the point of this. Yeah. Some of us, are, uh, all of us have been teachers for years. Some of us have, all of us have advanced degrees, you know, some of us have PhDs, but really we're disciples. We're people who Jesus has touched and changed and healed. And, um, that's what this series is really, really about. And I would just say that the whole idea of fasting is to make room for real food. And that's, uh, if, if we're not making room for real food, but just doing an exercise, like you said, to prove that we can suffer, that, that kind of misses the point. You know, prayer has to be combined with fasting for it to be powerful or works of mercy, uh, works of love. Um, and, and so really, I would encourage everybody, make some time, open up some space that's the most important thing we can fast from is I think our busyness, the clutteredness of our lives, open up some space to encounter him anew again. And this is a great resource to help you to do it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're talking today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio about the new series. You can get to it by going to ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. Uh, I was talking to my kids uh, the other uh, on the way to school the other day, uh, talking about fasting, and I uh, the picture that came to my mind that I was able to give them is uh, think about getting a balloon fresh out of the package and trying to blow it up. 
And the, of course, they're young, so they, they know how difficult that is, specifically for their, their lung capacity. And I said, what do we have to do first? We, we stretch it. That's right. We stretch it, and then it is able to move more readily. It now is flexible enough to take the air that we want to put into it and expand far beyond what we would expect it to do. And the same is true with our souls, that we have to stretch ourselves a little bit and get a little bit uncomfortable because the wind of the Holy Spirit wants to fill us far beyond what we're capable of without that stretching. That's a beautiful analogy. I think that's really, really, really true. Um, That's a great way to look at it. So you wrote this book five years ago, um, 40 Days and 40 Ways, uh, A Way to Approach Lent. As you look at... um, at this new series, in light of, of that book, uh, what do you see as a, a way that our Lenten practice, not just our, our knowledge uh, or somehow our education will grow, but what are some of the things that our practice will be impacted by as we engage with this new series? I, I think this whole series is to get us into the actual text of the Word of God. It's to reflect on that text. It puts those. Te- it, it weaves together all four gospels. Um, uh, so, the, but the idea is to get people into the actual encounter with Jesus through the inspired Word of God. So, I think the most important thing, really, for people to do is to think about increasing their time with God's Word over the Lenten season, and, and not just to do it during Lent, but to begin a new pattern of of greater exposure of yourself, building a pattern into your life. Of, of greater encounter uh, w- with God through the text. This is a study, um, but really it's aimed at what we call Lectio Divina, which is not just looking at the scriptures intellectually and studying a whole book or studying just a concept, but actually becoming aware that the Holy Spirit resides in this temple, which is the scriptures, and asking that same spirit as we read a small portion of that text to really open our eyes, open our hearts, deepen our relationship with the Lord. That's, that's what Lexio Divina is. And I think that's, that's really the goal of, of this series is to bring people to incorporate that more into their everyday life. Um, and I, I just say, as I said in that book, don't just do something that you stop doing as soon as Easter comes. That's kind of like defeating the purpose. You know, yes, we do a little more fasting and abstinence during Lent, which maybe we're not going to continue in, 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 in um, the Easter season, we're going to celebrate and have wine and chocolate and so all sorts of things we might have given up. But if we're the same and we just go back to exactly the same way we've lived at Easter time as before Lent, we failed. <laughs> we're supposed to build into our lives new disciplines so we have more spiritual strength, uh, a deeper relationship with the Lord. So cultivating some virtues, some habits that we can continue, like habits of more frequent prayer or deeper prayer, or if maybe some of us aren't praying, maybe we're so busy, we're not praying. We don't have any dedicated time for prayer every day. Um, to pray more with the word of God should be a way that we've got to figure out a way to do that during this Lenten season that we can sustain afterwards and, and make it a permanent feature. I think one of the difficult things is that we often compartmentalize our faith. We think, oh yeah, I need to have a relationship with God, but we look at it in a different light than we look at other relationships. And I, I think of this idea of taking up a Lenten practice and then never doing it again afterward is being kind of like, okay, I'm, uh, I've been dating someone and now I'm, we're, now we're engaged and we're going to be engaged and we're in this new stage of life. And then, uh, after, after 40 days or so, we're just going to go back to be, we're, we're just going to go out and be like it was before. Well, it can never be yeah, like it's it was crazy. before. Yeah. You have to progress in that it, relationship. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, this is one of the key insights. Uh, one of the, the central messages of the Second Vatican Council is that we're called, every single one of us, not just a mystic here and a religious there, but every single one of us is called to a dynamic relationship with the Lord that's constantly growing. That's really what discipleship's about. Discipleship is not about just maintenance. It's about following the Lord wherever he goes, and he's always on the move. So, you know, you, you got to be moving. you got to be growing. And that makes life a whole lot more interesting anyway, and a lot more exciting. And, and that's what's going to attract people to Jesus. We want to evangelize. we got to be on a journey that someone wants, that someone looks at us and says, wow, this is exciting. Uh, this person is excited about life. They're moving forward. They're changing. I see growth in them. And, and that's because they're following this, this guy called Jesus. You know, I, I want in. <laughs> so, but if we're stagnant, forget about it. Who wants that? Who wants to look at a bunch of people who are going nowhere and say, yeah, I want to buy into this belief system. You know, and no, it's not a belief system. It's a relationship with a person and he's on the move. And this, I think this is so important because so often we think of Christianity as the belief system, as the ideology that we follow, uh, and not the person that we follow. And the fact is, is that, yes, Jesus is now uh, in a different relationship to us physically than he was when he walked the earth, but that relationship is still, must be present and and active each and every day. And it's not just, oh, I'm going to go read the scripture and see what precept I need to follow. But today in my prayer, I'm going to listen for the voice of God and see if there is a specific prompting to do a specific thing, to reach out for someone individually where they are. Uh, and Christ's relationship with us, with me, is not going to look like it does with you because it is a not an ideology that we are lockstep in, but it is a relationship with a person that's going to be different because I'm a different person than you are. That's right. And it's beautiful the way Jesus had in his earthly life before the resurrection, he had different kinds of relationships with different people. I mean, he loved everyone with charity, but he had a, a, a different relationship with, with John, the beloved disciple, than he did with Peter, who is the rock, uh, and with his mother, with Mary Magdalene. He, that he was really, and this is part of him being truly human, is, uh, you know, he had different uh, kinds of, just like we do, different kinds of, of relationships, uh, even though that his love is universal. Uh, it's not that he loved one person more than another, but he loved different people in different ways because they were, he created them different. So um, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to understand just how unique and wonderful our, each one of our vocations is and, and the, that the Lord desires an intimate personal relationship with each one of us that does grow. It's not like you, you, you accept Christ and that's it. <laughs> you know, just wait for heaven. It, he unfolds more of himself. He reveals more of himself. He, he never stagnates. So he's always leading us if we're willing to have the faith to listen for his voice. So, yeah, this whole series is all about that. It's all about that, that, that helping people to enter into that relationship if they haven't ever had it or uh, to, to, to experience it anew if they've gotten stale. So, um, but I, I guarantee you, I think if everyone comes with that spirit openness and says, Lord, what do you want to say to me through this, this book, through this series? I think he's going to say a lot. Yeah. We're talking today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio. You can find him over at DrItaly.com. Uh, the new book we've been talking about today is Jesus, The Way, the Truth, and the Life, available on Ascension Press, complete with a study. Uh, you can find that by going to ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. We're going to put a link to it up on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. 
And if you want to go back and listen to the interview again, maybe listen to something that you think you missed, or maybe you want to share it with someone else, then you can go over to our website, OutsideTheWalls.com, and all of our episodes are archived right there. Maybe you want to hear a little bit more. Well, good news. We always record a little more than we're able to put on the air, and I make that extra segment available to all those who support the show through Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, that's a cup of coffee a month, you can get weekly extra segments. Uh, And then there are other levels of support as well that come with other perks. I'd love to have you be a part of that support community. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, share this week's episode while you're there, and then click that Patreon link in the top right-hand corner of the page and join that support community. Well, let's go ahead and turn our attention now to our weekly reading out of Scripture and church history. And this is one of those weeks we talk about them, they happen from time to time, where the perfect reading that just matches everything that we ended up talking about was in today's readings. This happened today both in our reading from Scripture, it comes from the reading from Mass, and our reading from Church History, which we are pulling from the breviary from the Office of Readings for today. So let's go ahead and take a look at those. Our reading from Scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the customs post. He said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything behind, he got up and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were at the table with him. The Pharisees and their scribes complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said to them in reply, Those who are healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, and there's a couple of things that that I want to point out. There's so much here, and if we wanted to unpack it piece by piece, it, it seems like it's a little bit, but there's really a ton here, both culturally and linguistically. But what I want to look at is a little bit more on the surface, and it's this. One, Matthew, or in in this reading, it's Levi. uh, Matthew had the opportunity to say no. And in fact, the rich young ruler later in the scriptures, in the gospels, does say no to the same invitation I've always looked at them like two different situations, but it's really the same invitation. Come and follow me. And Levi was able to realize that there was something greater than the things that he had been filling his life with. These things that he had been attached to were really were not satisfying. And so he left it all behind. He left his job. He left everything, it says. And he followed him. He left everything behind, and he got up from his desk, and he followed Jesus. And what a difficult thing that is. Think about it. If you were asked to follow and and leave everything behind, could you do it? In a way, Lent is giving us practice for that, to leave one small little thing behind in order to follow Jesus more closely. The second thing is this, that the very first thing that Levi did after he left everything behind to follow is to bring other people into that experience. He leaves everything he has and he follows Jesus. And then he goes and he throws a big party, right? He, he throws a celebration and a banquet for Jesus and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were at table with them. 
So he's bringing other people and saying, this is something precious that I have and something new that I have, and, and I want to bring you and invite you to this and introduce you. This is not merely an ideology. This is not a belief system. This is a connection and a relationship with a person. And you and I are invited into that same relationship. And this is what it means to be a missionary disciple. It's a person who is following Christ and who, by virtue of following him, desires to invite other people into that. The one who follows is then sent out to share. And this is not a scary thing. Rather, when a person has an experience that they enjoy, they naturally want to share that. It's part of who we are at our core. We naturally desire to share our positive experiences with those who are closest to us, with our friends, with those who we are in relationship with. Our reading from church history today dovetails right into this and into our our larger topic of the day. Uh, It's from the Treatise Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus, and it's all about the friendship of God. Our Lord, the Word of God, first drew men to God as servants. But later, he freed those made subject to him. He himself testified to this. I do not call you servants any longer, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I call you friends, since I have made known to you everything that I have learned from my Father. Friendship with God brings the gift of immortality to those who accept it. In the beginning, God created Adam, not because he needed man, but because he wanted to have someone on whom to bestow his blessings. Not only before Adam, but also before all creation, the Word was glorifying the Father in whom he dwelt, and was himself being glorified by the Father. The Word himself said, Father, Glorify me with that glory I had with you before the world was. Nor did the Lord need our service. He commanded us to follow him, but his was the gift of salvation. To follow the Savior is to share in salvation. To follow the light is to enjoy the light. Those who are in the light do not illuminate the light, but are themselves illuminated and enlightened by the light. They add nothing to the light. Rather, they are beneficiaries, for they are enlightened by the light. The same is true of service to God. It adds nothing to God. Nor does God need the service of man. Rather, he gives life and immortality and eternal glory to those who follow and serve him. He confers a benefit on his servants in return for their service and on his followers in return for their loyalty. But he receives no benefit from them. He is rich, perfect, and in need of nothing. The reason why God requires service from man is this, because he is good and merciful. He desires to confer benefits on those who persevere in his service In proportion to God's need of nothing is man's need for communion with God. This is the glory of man, to persevere and remain in the service of God. For this reason, the Lord told his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you. 
He meant that his disciples did not glorify him by following him, but in following the Son of God, they were glorified by him. As he said, I wish that where I am, they also may be, that they may see my glory. That reading comes from a treatise against heresies by Irenaeus, and here he attempts again to reframe our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. We follow Jesus not because he needs us. We are included in the mission, right? We're given the opportunity to participate in the Paschal mystery, and yet it's not because we're needed. Rather, it's because he longs to give us all good things. I heard a a popular blogger, I don't remember who it is anymore, talk about inviting their children to make cookies with them. And the blogger said, it's not that I needed their help making the cookies. I could have done it faster without their help. And yet they did real work. They cracked the eggs. They did the work. They spooned out the, uh, the cookies and put them on the cookie sheet. They actually did work, even though that work did not technically cause the cookies to be any more made than they otherwise would have been. Mom didn't need their help, and yet mom relished having them there and enjoyed the process of doing that activity with them, communing with them, and then bestowing on them the blessings of the cookies, right? Uh, The same is true in a spiritual way for us. All of the service that we do, the, the fasting and the almsgiving, and the, uh, the, the prayer that follows this Lenten penance, this work, which can be hard work for us, this work doesn't add anything to God. It's not that God is somehow watching us and keeping a tally of what we do and we're trying to please him. And, oh, well, if you do enough and you work hard enough and you have enough sacrifice, then I'll, be, then I'll smile knowingly and say, ah, they did a good job. No, think about this as baking cookies. We are participating in a very important work. And in that very important work, because cookies are serious business, in that very important work, we are present with the Father. And this really is ultimately the goal. So we shouldn't really get overly caught up with whether or not we do things perfectly and have measured out the flower absolutely right, because the Father's with us and he's going to help us in the process of making the cookies. He's going to help us in the process of keeping our Lenten penance. He's going to help us as we try our best to deepen our faith this Lenten season if we'll only keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and recognize and realize that the true purpose of this Lenten penance is to grow and cultivate our desire and to enter into deeper relationship with the God who loves us. That's all the time we have for today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Carrie Carlson and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link and join their numbers. Join us over on social media, Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. I want to hear what your Linton practice looks like this year. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.